Welcome to Autism Knows No Borders. Discover what's possible when people impacted by autism inspire change and build community. Together with the Global Autism Project, here's your host, Rachel Harmon. Hello, everyone. Our guest today is Jie Bing Chung. We know her as Mrs. Chung. As a mother of a 21-year-old autistic young man, Mrs. Chung is the founder of Huisong Children Rehabilitation Center in Nanchang, China. She is also one of our Global Autism Project partners. The Global Autism Project partnered with Huisong in 2017, and we have since sent three SkillCore volunteer teams to provide hands-on sustainable training to their teachers and staff. For this interview, our podcast intern, Linda Zhang, interpreted from Chinese to English for us. Thank you, Linda, for your effort to ensure Mrs. Chung's message is understood. In this conversation, we discuss the level of autism awareness in China, what it was like for Mrs. Chung to receive her son's diagnosis, why she started her own autism center and the types of services they offer, and the partnership between Global Autism Project and Huisong. In this episode, discover what's possible when a mother's love transcends her own home. To learn more about Mrs. Chung and her work, please visit our show notes at autismknowsnoborders.com. We appreciate your time. If you enjoy this podcast and you'd like to support our mission, please take just a few seconds to share it with one person who you think will find value in it too. You can also follow us on Instagram at autismpodcast, join our Facebook group Autism Knows No Borders, and subscribe to our YouTube channel, Global Autism Project. And now I present you, Mrs. Jie Bing Chung. Hi, Mrs. Chung. Welcome to Autism Knows No Borders. Thank you for being here today. I'm very happy that I am here on this platform to talk to everyone. Could you please briefly introduce yourself? I am from China, the province of Jiangxi province, and it's Nanchang. I am the mother of a 21-year-old boy on the autism spectrum, and at the same time, I am also a founder of an autism center. So let's start with how autism is understood in Nanchang. China has only known about autism for maybe about 20 years. And with the development of media and also the government, China has uh, known more and more about autism. So the Chinese population now knows that autism exists, but they don't really know what autism is and what the characteristics of autism are. A part of the population probably still thinks that autism is simply that they don't know how to socialize with people and how to interact with people. But still, compared to about 20 years before, this is already a very big improvement of what people know about autism. I also deeply believe that through the development of knowledge and also spreading of media, people will more and more understand what autism really is. So is there any kind of stigma related to disabilities in general in China? 
When people think about disability, they mainly think that this individual person is going to be a burden to the family, also a burden to society, and that they need people to take care of them and they can't be really independent. But what we also know is that a lot of people who have disabilities, they can still be useful to society and to their community, let it be through therapy or through education. What kinds of services are available for families from the point that they are diagnosed until the individual becomes an adult? The first step, when a parent has a feeling that this child develops different than others, the first thing they would do is to go to the hospital and seek for medical help. As soon as they get a diagnosis from the hospital or from the doctors, the doctors are going to recommend them to go to, like, preschool interventions. A lot of families are listening to what doctors say or recommend to seek for a therapy center and start interventions. But there are also a lot of families that don't accept a diagnosis like this, and they are determined to believe that their kid is only developing a little later than others. And through that, they will miss the window where intervention would work best. But there are also a small group of parents who, even if they want to receive intervention or therapy, they cannot due to financial burden. So they just give up on it. So the families that choose to receive early interventions and the ones that develop really well have the chance to enter kindergarten and school like other kids. But there are also a group of children who are going to take the path of special needs education. And there are also a group of children who cannot attend either one of the systems, so they have to stay at home and parents are going to stay at home with the children to take care of them. Children like these, when they grow up, the biggest problem for them is to find a job. The society and the system hasn't really developed a path for people like them yet. And a lot of the parents are very, very worried about the future of their children. Mm. So from the diagnosis of the child growing up, the government also provides some support for the children. This also helps a lot of the families on the financial part. From the diagnosis until them growing up, it's a very long way. And the support from society is also limited. This is also the reason why families are very worried and they think a lot about the future of the kid. This ties into one of the questions that we have from one of our listeners, David Sharif. And he wants to know, how does the Chinese education system offer support to those with special needs? Inclusive education is something that the Chinese government is trying to promote right now. 
the Chinese education system is slowly starting to include these kind of systems, but due to many aspects, it is impossible to offer a perfect inclusive education model up to this point. There are still limited special education teachers in these kind of inclusive schools, which makes it a problem. Right now, a lot of parents are joining the classroom to support their children, but of course, parents are still hoping that the Department of Education could help with this kind of lack of professionals. Right now, the parents are still playing a really big role in the education of their children, even though they're in school. But of course, there is also a big difference between the cities, since China is so big. Some of the further developed cities, they have a good uh, education system for special needs children. They also have included special needs classrooms, especially for the kids. But with the growing population and also the growing diagnosis of autism, the resources they have, even in the further developed cities, It's still not enough. Many of the intervention centers are now also training teachers to join into the inclusive schools. But this also comes with a very high financial burden. Also, these special needs teachers, they can still not fulfill the requirements by the parents. First of all, there are not enough teachers, and second of all, the costs are very high. Mm. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about your son. You said that he is now 21 years old. How old was he when he was diagnosed, and what was that like for your family to receive the diagnosis at that time? Uh When we noticed that our son was different than others, he was about two years old. But when we actually got the diagnosis in the hospital, he was already three and a half. When we went to the doctors, the only thing that we thought was that he was just developing a little bit slower than other kids. Did you know what autism was? We didn't know. What the doctors told us was that our child had a low IQ. The doctors told us that he will need us to take care of him for the rest of his life, and they suggested us to have a second child. Wow. Was this your first child at that point? Yes, I only have him. When I took him and got out of the hospital, I started crying immediately and I couldn't control myself. I worried a lot about his future, but I also blamed myself because I couldn't give him health. So when we got home, the only things we were thinking about was his future and what we were going to do with him. I couldn't get any professional support. I also didn't know what I could do to help him. Whenever I saw other children, I just thought, why was my son like this and what did I do 
to make him like this. I couldn't accept the fact that the doctors told me that my child would need my support for the rest of his life. So I took him to many other cities to get professional help. I took him to the biggest cities in China, Beijing, Shanghai, Shenzhen and Guangzhou. I've taken him everywhere. Whenever I went to those cities, I've taken him to the biggest hospitals. I had hoped that the doctors would tell me that he was just developing a bit slower and that he's going to be fine in the future and it's going to be okay. I was hoping that the doctors would give me positive news. But no matter to how many hospitals I've taken him, he was still like that. When I took him to Beijing, it was the first time when I heard about autism. So within that one year, I still couldn't accept his diagnosis and I was almost crying every day. Every night I cried myself to sleep until my pillows were wet. Mm. I never thought that my child was not going to be a normal person. At that time, I had no idea where to go to help him. But I knew that he was already three years old and he had to go to the kindergarten. So I sent him to the kindergarten, but the teachers didn't know how to communicate with him. I didn't want the teachers to reject him, but I also didn't want him to stay at home. So I tried to communicate with the teachers and ask if I could go to the kindergarten with him. And I was very fortunate that I was allowed to do that. So whenever he would run around, I would try to catch him. And when they were doing exercises outside, I would support and do it with him. When he was not playing with the other children, I would pull him over and try to put him into the crowd. But it didn't take long for him to run away again. At that time, I had no idea what applied behavior analysis was. But what was clear to me was when he shouldn't have run away, then it was something that he shouldn't do. And when it was time to play with other children, then that was what he was supposed to do. When I learned that there are early interventions, I immediately took him out of the kindergarten and I went to the intervention center to start that. But at that time, my son was already almost five years old. Even though he missed the perfect window for early interventions, but I think in his kindergarten times, I have given him a lot of help and support. After a while of therapy, when it was time for him to go to primary school, he still had a lot of problems. For example, in unexpected situations in the classroom, he would start crying and screaming. And after recess time, even though the bell already rang, he wouldn't go back to the classroom. He would play water in the washroom. He couldn't take care of his own writing utensils. So all in all, he has faced a lot of problems in school. The Chinese primary school is six years long, and I have hired someone to assist him in school for five and a half years. During his primary school years, he has improved a lot. Now he is a 21-year-old young man. 
呃，我再回过头说一点，呃，我练。It took me three years to teach him how to take public transportation independently, because if the bus didn't come on time and he waited for too long, he would get angry and anxious. And when the buses were too crowded, he would also start screaming. It would also make him a lot of trouble if the bus didn't exactly stop at the bus stop. If it would go a little bit further, or if it stopped for too long or too short. When I think about this now. I still feel that it was a very, very long process. What was it like for you when he finally did it on his own? I felt that I would definitely be able to teach him, but it would just only be a very long process from doing it with me and doing it independently. Because he was improving bit by bit, so by the time when he did it independently, it wasn't a very big surprise to me. <laughs> so when he learned to take public transportation independently, I would follow him, and then later on, I would ask volunteers to follow him because I was worried that anything would happen on the bus. And now, does he take it completely by himself? This was already a couple of years ago. Now he can completely do it by himself. Oh, that's great! I gave him a smartphone, so now he can find any place in our city. What are some other proud moments that you have of him related to his strengths? Uh. My son is very mechanical, so I have taught him to care about me. Whenever I am sick, he would always bring me tea. Oh. <laughs> Whenever I say that I'm hungry, he would go and cook for me. Oh. That. <laughs> <laughs> And all the paperwork from our center, he is the one who goes and sends them out. Yeah. He likes to do the job of a postman, so he likes to go and pick stuff up or to bring stuff. He is also a very kind person. Whenever I'm being lazy, I would just tell him that I'm sick or not feeling well, and then he would do the household work and cook for me and bring it to my bed. <laughs> But I can't let him know that I did this on purpose. <laughs> Whenever I go shopping, he would come along and hold my bags. Sounds like you have a personal assistant. Yes, yes, yes. Whenever you ask him to do something, at first he would deny, but then he would laugh and still do it. <laughs> so now I wouldn't say that I am taking care of him. It's more like he's taking care of me. What did it take for you to finally accept him and his autism? Uh, 当我了解的越多。
the more I got to know about autism and the more I found that there are ways and interventions and therapy and also when I found a direction where to go, I think that's when I started to accept his autism. But of course, I am still very scared of the future. I am afraid that one day when I'm not there anymore, he cannot take care of himself. This is what I'm most afraid of. I think if time could stop, even if I'm 80 years old and he's 50 years old, I think that would be a very happy thing. Are you doing anything now to support him to live independently? I don't have to support him at all in his daily living, but the only concern right now is his career and his job. Mm. He can go grocery shopping, and as we said before, he can take public transportation and everything all by himself now. But he still needs support in his career, so this is what I'm most worried about now. He doesn't have his own job right now, so what he's doing is helping me at the center. Could he be a delivery person somewhere else too? He doesn't know how to handle unexpected situations. For example, if someone would say that his delivery is too late, or if he cannot find an address, or if he calls and no one is picking up, these kind of situations, he doesn't know how to handle it. Mm, okay, but those are things that can be taught, right? Yes, it could be taught, but... He needs someone with him. Okay, got it. Okay, Mrs. Chung, let's talk about the center that you started. So you founded Hui Song Children Rehabilitation Center. What made you decide to start this? When my son started early interventions, he was almost five years old. And he actually could have started it earlier, but at that time there was no center in our city. So I had to take my child to a different city for early interventions and we had to stay there for long term and I had to rent an apartment and everything. I knew that my son needed further interventions for a longer period of time. I also learned that there were many other children in Nanchang who needed early interventions and who seeked them in different cities. So I thought if we had a local center for early interventions, not only my own son would have a place to go, but also the other children in Nanchang, they wouldn't have to go to other cities anymore and could stay at home. So the idea behind starting the center was to have a local center, to have a local place. What kinds of services do you offer the families now? 
We provide early intervention sessions and therapy for children who come in every day and have their therapy or classes to improve themselves. At the same time, we also provide classes for their parents to support their children. We also try to raise awareness in our society to bring autism to the people and to help them understand what autism is. Okay. What kinds of challenges or barriers did you have to overcome along the way? Uh, the first challenge we faced was the location. It was very hard to find a location. And then also financial problems. Our finances are mainly coming from therapy fees. And if we take too high of a fee, parents are burdened. But if we take too less of therapy fee, then we can't pay our teachers. Another problem that we faced was also the stability of our teachers. Because the work of special needs teachers is actually really hard and the professional requirement is also very high, but what we could provide them was not in relation to what they had to work. Mm. How did you manage to retain staff and encourage motivation? Uh, so within the past few years, of course, I have tried to keep my teachers. Some of them would still leave, but some of them would stay. The ones who stayed with me, they know that what I'm doing is very important, and they have also seen how much work I have put in this. So they want to stay with me and they want to fight with me. On the other hand, of course, they have also seen that these children need us. We also hope that our teachers will have professional development within our center. We try to provide them a platform where they can show their own worth. I think the teachers that are in our center working with me and who stayed are very responsible and very kind people. How many teachers are at your center now and how many students do you have? We have almost 40 teachers and around 150 or 160 students. Wow. So you must be a very organized leader. How would you describe your leadership style? Uh, because I started everything as a parent and started also this work as a parent in the back of my head. I feel that I am still very far away of being a good leader. <laughs> I also think that my abilities as a leader are still very limited. We have a team of teachers who 
对这些老师都比较 are very understanding with each other and who help each other and who always tolerate each other. 呃，可能我们做这个，其实我们做这个最早的想法还是非常单纯的，就是说，呃， when we started this, all we had in our mind was to help others. But of course, with our center growing and with our students being getting more and more, we really do need very good leadership and management. We are all growing together, but I feel that I still have some way to go. Well, Mrs. Chung, I think you should give yourself some more credit because you've created something amazing for your community. 嗯，呃，我我我确实是这个感觉，因为我们最早的身份哈，可能就 Yeah, this is my true feeling though, because when I started everything, I was just a parent. And I am growing with my center, and we're still learning from it. But I think what I am doing really well, or what we as a team are doing really well, is we're trying with all we have to help these children. And we have gotten the support from our parents as well. Most of our students are coming because they had heard from us through other parents. Some of our current students are recommended by parents that have. Been with us maybe ten years ago. I think the reason we have come so far is because we're being responsible to our students and to their parents.、Mm-hmm. Can you share a success story related to one of your students? Ah, we many children. Because we opened the center 15 years ago, so some of our oldest students, who were two at that time, are now 17. We have a lot of students who are either in primary school, middle school, or high school now, and they are very successful. Some of the children who came to us for early interventions couldn't talk, and they had. Some of the severe characteristics of autism, but with therapy and also the support of their parents, some of our students are the top students in their school. Their teachers think that these students are really great. Some of the children turned out even better than I thought. From that, I learned that therapy and also the support and help of the parents. Really have a big impact on their development. One of our previous students sent me a message a couple of days ago that he turned eighteen. Oh, <laughs> he was at our center fourteen years ago. His mother found my contact on WeChat. She added me, and then she messaged me that this child is now studying, now doing vocational training in Guangzhou, and he also found a very pretty girlfriend. Mama also, uh, with me sharing. Some of our students play the piano professionally and also got very high certificates for it. 
Some of our students are also very good in sports. I remember one of our students. He is second place in Fujian Province in badminton. We have provided one-to-one intervention to more than three thousand children so far. Wow. Yeah. Uh, Many of those children turned out even better than we thought they would. Sometimes we would invite them back to our center to hold presentations for the parents. Now, I hope that seeing the progress of these children is going to help the parents with their expectations and their worries. Also. Hmm. Some of the children now have their own career. What would make me even happier is to see them get married and have their own family. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's important to look at each individual's strengths because everyone has something that they can be good at. If you just find what they're interested in and build on that. Yes. I agree. How has the COVID nineteen pandemic affected your center? Did you have to shut down at some point? COVID nineteen had hit China really hard during the Chinese festival in two thousand twenty. But after that, the Chinese government has controlled it pretty well. We had to shut down until May eighteenth. Which is when we opened again, and since then until now, we were able to keep our center open as normal. The only thing we are still doing now is to remind our parents to wash their hands and wear masks, etc. But during the time when we had to close the center. There were four months where we couldn't provide therapy. When COVID hit, we had no idea that it was going to last so long. This definitely brought us a lot of difficulty, especially because during those four months we had no income at all, but we still had to pay our. Therapists, we had to pay insurance and rent, so we were pretty burdened by the finances. Did the government help at all? Uh, because the government did lower rent prices. But it was only for. Buildings or locations that were owned by China. But we rent our location privately from a private owner. So there was nothing they could do for us, which means we had to pay full price for everything. But the Chinese government has done a lot to try and keep containing the virus. 
and to keep it from spreading even further. So we also understand that China said we had to close down and to reopen at a later point. So in the beginning, we felt very anxious when we got the news to shut down, but later on, we felt even calmer. And during that time, we provided online sessions. Through those online sessions, we learned how parents are supporting and doing therapy at home with their children. Some of the children, when they came back to us in May, we felt that they had a lot of improvement. Hmm. What I think is very fortunate is that China was able to contain the virus within a couple of months, and after that, we were able to keep our center open just as normal. Even though we had a very hard time during those four months, but we can understand what the Chinese government was trying to do. And now everything is back to normal and everything is really good. Good. So let's talk about your partnership with the Global Autism Project. You've collaborated with our Skill Corps volunteer teams when they visited your center. What has that experience been like for you to have Skill Corps at Huisong? We received a lot of professional help and support from the Skill Corps team. We had the chance to get to know autism from different corners of the world. And I have seen that no matter in which country, everyone is fighting for the same goal. I have noticed that even though there were cultural differences, we were all trying to do the same thing and we faced the same challenges. And I have seen that we are not alone. I also feel very lucky that there is a platform like this for us to communicate and to receive continuous professional help. What I think the Global Autism Project is doing best is their continuous support and their supervision. This is also what is most important to me because I want to always be up to date professionally and I always want to receive feedback if something is not quite right. During the years when the Skill Corp teams were coming every couple of months, we have developed really fast because our teachers would get homework that they have to do and we have learned so much. But now, because of COVID, we are kind of on a pause. 
Even though when the Skill Corp team was here, we always felt very tense. Now we're actually looking forward for the next trip and for being in that kind of state again. <laughs> yeah, we can't wait until we can travel again and visit your center. You're very welcome. <laughs> What part of Chinese culture do you like to share with the teams when they visit? When the team is here and we're just chatting, we like to talk about autism in China right now. I also like to show them the differences between American and Chinese culture. For example? When the Skill Corp team is in Nanchang, I love to show them the Chinese kitchen. Because all the Americans love Chinese food. <laughs> yes, that's true. <laughs> I have the feeling that you don't have so many diverse delicacies there. Whenever the teams are visiting, I don't think they're very interested in Chinese history, but I notice that they're very interested in Chinese buildings or those little Chinese accessories, so I like to take them and show them those places. Uh, I always like to share with the Skill Corp team the Chinese traditional culture, especially Chinese values. Hmm. And Mrs. Chung, you attended our 2019 Global Summit in Bali. What was that like for you to spend that week with all of the partners? Uh, well, my experience was that I saw that everyone was walking the same path that everyone has faced the same experiences, the same challenges. I have seen the understanding of autism in all kinds of other countries. And I know that we're all working together on the same goal, on the same aim. And also, it was a very good chance for us to see where we still need to work on and what we still need to do to improve ourselves. Okay, Mrs. Zhang, I'd like to close with one last question. When parents of children with autism come to your center, what is the one piece of advice you want to give them? 
呃，第一个就是告诉他们树立信心。First of all, I want to give them confidence, and I want them to forget about their worries. Then I want to also provide professional help and give them a professional path of how they can support their children. Because if they have that, then it's also going to lift the burden of themselves. I also think that it's very important to pay attention to the parents' emotions because. As we know, it's going to be an up and down, and I want to provide my help and my support and advices whenever they need me. We also organize meetings just for parents, so they can communicate with each other, and they can also talk about whatever is on their mind. Okay, Mrs. Chung. Thank you so much for sharing your story with us, and I know that you're inspiring a lot of parents and professionals, and giving people hope to not give up. I think also thank you for that opportunity. I also want to thank you for giving me this chance. To talk about autism and to help raise awareness. Yes, our pleasure. 好，谢谢 ，Thank you， 谢谢。Thanks for tuning in to Autism Knows No Borders. Like many of our partners around the world, Mrs. Chung is transforming her community's attitudes towards autism. Eighteen years ago, her doctor said her son would need care for the rest of his life, and that she should have another child. Today. Mrs. Chung is empowering other parents by teaching them how to create opportunities for their children to thrive. I invite you to share this episode with one other person in your life—a parent needing some encouragement, an autistic individual interested in learning a different perspective, or maybe a professional looking for some inspiration. Together, we can transform how the world relates to autism. Thanks for listening. Take care. Tune in each week for engaging conversations of how people across the globe are inspiring change and building community. You've been listening to Autism Knows No Borders, brought to you by the Global Autism Project. You can find Rachel's notes for this episode and learn more about today's guests at autismknowsnoborders.com. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. By doing so, you'll be helping us increase awareness and acceptance of autism around the world.